Before we start today's show, I want to invite you to join my community of SaaS founders, agency owners, and others who are sharing tips, tricks, strategies, and tactics for creating successful cold outreach campaigns. It's a free group on Facebook called Cold Outreach Mastery, and you can get there by heading over to morgandwilliams.com slash community. And if Facebook isn't your thing, but you still want valuable cold outreach advice, head on over to morgandwilliams.com slash newsletter and put in your best email to get first in line for valuable resources that I share on how you can fill your calendar with sales meetings and your pipeline with opportunities. Now, let's start today's show. Welcome to the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. This is the place where you'll find real conversations with real sales leaders about how you can leverage sales technology to get ahead of the pack. Improve your sales numbers by taking advantage of emerging technology before your competitors get there first. They'll share everything from the trends they're seeing in the marketplace to actionable strategies that you can use to make more sales today. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen. On. Here's your host, Morgan Williams. Welcome to the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. I am your host, Morgan Williams, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing David Massover, owner of David Massover Consulting. Sales and company leaders hire David when they want more of their leads to convert into opportunities, more effective movement of opportunities into and out of rep pipelines and more visibility and control for management over these processes. Having worked in sales and sales management since 1991, he's seen firsthand how reps and organizations struggle to get consistent and focused results, how management struggles to move the collective needle, how hard it can seem to even find the right levers to make a meaningful impact. And David is the author of The Salesman's Guide to Dating, Mastering Your Sales Process and Managing the Sales Process. His public Published works all embody the essence of the work that he does with his private coaching and consulting clients and captures the lessons learned in his career and through his efforts to improve the effectiveness of his peers, staff, trainees, and clients. David, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. How are you doing today? Wow, that David sounds like a great guy. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Thanks for having me, man. I'm happy to awesome. be here. Awesome. Glad you are here. Can you kind of walk us through your background and how it's led to uh, what you're doing now? Yeah, sure. So, almost three decades. Next year, I get to say three decades. I had my first sales job in 1991. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of people since then. I found out that my experience was pretty typical. But, you know, I was shown my desk and shown my phone and given a, a lead list and given a pat on the back and said, go for it. I had zero sales experience before that. I had no idea what to do. This was my start in sales. And you know, but I was really stubborn. I don't know where that came from, but I just didn't really want to let this whole sales thing beat me. So the way I tell the story now is that I invented the sales process. I mean, I learned later that somebody else had invented <laughs> it a long time ago, but I didn't know that then. And the reason that's relevant is I think when we think about this thing called sales, it's like this really big thing. Like, I don't know how to do sales. I don't know how to get sales, but I can understand what problem my product or service solves. I can figure out who needs that solution. I can figure out where to find them and how to reach out to them. You know, all those little pieces. That was way back in the early 90s. And quite frankly, that methodology and that approach has really guided everything that I've done through sales. I've been a rep. I've been a manager. I've been an executive. Started a dot-com company in Web 1.0. 
moved over to Budapest from Silicon Valley in 2004, started doing consulting and writing and speaking. But that general idea of, you know, take this big thing called sales and break it down into manageable pieces, understand those pieces, tie them together, really understand how thing is supposed to work leads us to all the right questions and all the right answers to help salespeople and sales organizations optimize, increase sales. And, you know, last I checked, that's pretty much the objective of why we're all having these conversations and making tools and talking about this stuff. Absolutely. Completely agree. How is the sales process broken, right? There's a lot of moving parts. Um, companies are struggling to figure out their own sales process. And if they can't figure out their sales process, it's even harder for them to kind of talk to customers and kind of guide them through that process if they're unclear. What are the big pieces that people should look to into their sales process to see how it's broken? Yeah, it's a great question. It generally falls into, let's say, three categories. I'm going to say one of them is I don't have a process. You know, I don't believe in a process. Every interaction is a unique work of art and should be embraced. And that's baloney because in every case, you know, you're reaching out to somebody and you're having to articulate your value proposition. So, Every interaction is unique because every human being is unique and sales happens between human beings, at least professional B2B selling in semi-complex and complex environments. So a lot of people have that attitude. And in that case, no sales process is a problem just because you can't leverage the benefits of having a systematic way of doing things. One of the other ways that sales process is problematic in organizations is people try to over-engineer it. Every move should be scripted. Every detail should be. I think a lot of salespeople, myself included, tried to do that for themselves at least once. I remember doing it. It was back yeah. in that period in the early 90s. It was a disaster. If they say this, I'll say this. And it's like, you're not going to get there. Right. You, know, you have to just be engaged in a conversation. So having it at a framework level and having it something to act as guideposts and best practices and milestones, that's really useful. But then you within that. The third way, and, and the final way that I'll articulate as an answer to your question, that, that sales process is broken is, you know, I think a lot of people don't think seriously about sales. This is just my observation until they get a CRM. And their CRM has a Kanban board uh, baked into it. You know, Kanban board being the pipeline with a couple of different columns, you know, here's leads, here's, you know, pipe drive, Zoho, you know, they all have it, right? I mm -hmm. think everyone, if you Google Kanban board, you'll see it's just the little boxes and the little columns. And so a sales manager gets their CRM. They're like, oh, gee, I guess we ought to define our process. And that's the, because sales management, A, define the process without really engaging with the reps to find out what they're doing. And B, only allow the process to operate at that column header level, which at the end of the day isn't useful for anybody. Sales process is something that people believe that they're working on, but they're really not. That was a pretty long answer, but those are the three kind of big categories of where people get sales process wrong that I'm seeing out in the field. Yeah, absolutely. I want to touch on each of these at a high level and kind of go into the CRM specifically. Um, no process. Definitely seen this before. And it, it's really just a mess. Understandable if the company's very early on and they're still figuring it out. But when you start getting volume and talking to more people, there needs to be some track that you're following, even if it's not perfect, right? You need to start working on that, um, building that out. Over engineering, like you said, you've done it before. I've done this. It's like 
you want to architect this process that everyone should go through and like, okay, this is going to happen. That's going to happen. But just the world does not work like that. And um, you can't steer a parked car. You need to have something, you need to be moving, have some momentum and everything just starts to fall into place, right? Put up those guideposts and then, and then you start seeing trends and then start organizing those trends and then, then it starts flowing organically and, and building up over time. But the CRM, and this is the classic disconnect between salespeople and sales management. Salespeople feel like, hey, I'm doing this every day. I'm in the trenches fighting and this is what's really happening. And hey, you're in your ivory tower just looking down and trying to move the chessboard and sales management's like, hey, no one's putting anything into the CRM. I don't know what's going on. No visibility. Are you even doing anything? That sort of thing. And it's like the right way is like in the middle, right? Mm -hmm. Engaging the reps, speaking with them, talking about what's really happening and looking at the art rather than just all the science and reps talking to their managers and putting that information and giving them visibility and bringing life to those column headers, as you were saying. So going into the CRM, this is a big topic, but I just kind of want to hear what what the most important things with CRM use that you believe are, and can we can kind of take it from there? Yeah, I want to touch on something a process. And I think there's a kernel of a huge, huge, huge truth in there. And it's the idea of where should sales process come from? And where sales process should come from is in any organization, you know, if, even if you're relatively new, you're, you got to get good salespeople, get them out there doing their thing and look at what's happening. And, and that's really where the disconnect is. And like you said, there's a lack of engagement. You know, when I go in to evaluate a company's sales process, I'm happy to talk to the managers because obviously they have some idea of what's going on, but you got to get down in the trenches with the salespeople and look at what they're doing. Best practices, worst practices, things everybody's doing, things some people are doing and others aren't. And from that, you can kind of call out like, okay, so from looking at everybody and everything and talking to everybody and everything, this is what a sales process looks like. That kind of fits for everybody. And you want to get that buy-in. You kind of want everybody to be nodding their head and saying, yeah, you know what? I do my work different than Morgan does his work. Both of our work fits to the CRM question. I'm not sure if that changes the CRM question that you wanted to ask. No, no, it doesn't. I feel that's, that's okay. Solid. So I think what's really important in CRM is that it starts there. Instead of starting with, oh, gee, we need a process because there's one baked into the CRM. I think I've got an article up on LinkedIn about, but you know, the worst question in, in pretty much all of sales, because it's a symptom of the, the big problem. One of the dumbest questions I get, and I get it a lot, and I hear it a lot, is what's the best CRM? Yeah. Or, what's the best CRM? <laughs> It's a bad question. It's like, what's the best sport? What's the best food? What's the right. best, you know, best city to travel to, right? It depends. So mm -hmm. if you're starting with, you know, what's the best CRM? Oh, Salesforce is the most popular. I'll go with that, you know, or there's a free CRM and I don't want to pay money. I'll go with that. You're wasting time and energy. You have to start with user requirements, right? What are my people doing? And how can I get a tool that's going to help them do it effectively? And it'll take a little bit of time and energy to figure out what it'll take a little more time and energy to map that and then deploy the CRM in such a way that it helps the sales do their job. If the CRM helps the salespeople job, it's better to be there. I'm a one-man shop, so I use a CRM. I've used a couple of CRMs. You know, some are good, some are bad, some fit better, some don't. But when I can sit down at my desk, open up my CRM, see what I need to do, know what I did last, 
call, schedule a meeting, you know, all the stuff that you have to do, move on to the next, guess what? I am doing my sales work in the CRM. Mm -hmm. And as a rep, that makes me more effective. As a manager, what happens is you're actually seeing what's happening with your yeah. reps in aggregate because each one of those moves that they're doing can be measured and analyzed. And, you know, so that's the way it's supposed to work. So the disconnect happens, like you said, when the management isn't engaged with the reps, when they don't buy a CRM based on actual user requirements, and they don't build the CRM with the idea that I want my reps to live here when they're selling. Because if you can do that, then you're going to wind up getting good information out of your CRM. Otherwise, it's a logging tool. I'm going to go out and do my sales job, and then I'll come back and write some stuff into the CRM because I have to. That's a disconnect. Mm -hmm. You know, the CRM should be the place where the sales really happens, conversations and stuff. But tracking those conversations, knowing what conversation you need to have next, remembering what happened last time, scheduling your meeting, making your phone call, if that stuff's happening in the CRM, everybody gets what they want. Reps are more effective, mm -hmm. management gets their data, and the world is just a better place all around. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Can you give us um, kind of a, an anecdote or story about how, because I'm interested in those user requirements of how you've kind of worked with a company, no names, and how like they're unique, how they were set up kind of led to choosing specific requirements and, and finding good CRM? Companies I work with have a basic Kanban board CRM. And then I'm hearing complaints about things like, I don't know what my reps are doing in the field. I can't predict revenue, et cetera, et cetera. So what I usually do is I start with process work. And you know I'll call that Kanban board kind of like a, a level one sales process. You know, we need then a prospect, then we qualify them, then we do discovery, big boxes. I think where you can really start to get granular with it is when you start asking, what, what's the next level? So for example, if my first level one column header on the Kanban board is a lead and the next one is a prospect, you want to ask the question, what should happen as a lead before I call them a prospect? Five or six things. Maybe there's a scorecard. Maybe there's an ICP checklist. Maybe there's uh, some industry requirements, right? Could be anything, right? right? Those things are pretty common. There might also be some specific things to your industry, but you want to be able to get to a place where you're saying, listen, when somebody is a lead, it's because I have answered these five questions. And when I have answered these five questions, I'm either going to look at those answers and say, they're not a prospect. I did this work with a couple of companies, you know, just last month. And once at your sales process this way, and you know, you do that each one of the steps. Sudden, the conversations with salespeople become richer. Mm. All of a sudden, it's not like, how come this sale didn't go through? Right. It's more like you identified early on that you had qualified for a budget. And then at the end, it looked like you didn't have the budget for this. So what you did with them when you were asking, and let's talk about if there's a better way to do that. So it'd be an opportunity. The biggest problem in kind of the modern sale right now is that tech is very good at counting. And so a lot of sales management has started gravitate towards the parts of the sales process that can be counted. Unfortunately, that's really just the ends, right? I can count my prospecting activities, number of dials, number of meetings, et cetera, and I can count results, how much revenue comes out of it. But the selling happens in between. Right. And 
if managers don't have the visibility to hold people accountable to things they should be doing in between those two kind of ends of the sales process, it's just harder to move the needle. So I know you asked for a specific case study, but going through that process with companies is something I do with pretty much everybody because most people don't go to that level of depth. And you know, that's a level two, right? And then you get into the question, how should you be doing those things? And how long should they take? And if something's taking longer than it should, should it still have full weight in my weighted pipeline? You know, but you're not going to get Kanban board. You have to go a little bit deeper. And there are some CRMs that support that. I'm not going to mention any names because I just don't think that's what you want on your podcast. But there's CRMs that will let you get part of the way there, a couple that will let you get all the way there. Mm -hmm. There are some that are really designed for a robust sales process. But most people default to like, it's the cheap one. It's got the basic Kanban board. That's what everything looks like. I've got a process and I'm done. You just don't get much out of it in terms of value. Gotcha. I really like what you said about that counting or really quantity versus quality, right? Instead of just using the CRM as a logging tool and, and seeing, okay, you did this many calls and this many, you know, across the board, really looking and being able to go through the deal, comb through and discover, okay, these are what the conversations look like. And kind of that's how you identify those drop-off points because yeah. the effort is the easy part you know, is just making more calls or sending more emails or, or having more meetings, but actually digging through and, and figuring out, okay, why is this happening is, is the tough part, um, which, uh, you know, a solid CRM will, will let you do. So let's say someone's comfortable with CRM usage. They've got the fundamentals down, but they want to get more out of it. They want to kind of get to that next level. What are some trends you're seeing in CRMs or at least some ways that you've seen people are using CRMs to really squeeze more juice out of that lemon? I think there's a lot of stuff that can be CRMs, and I think a good CRM should do that for you, right? I think the best CRMs are those that allow you to kind of minimize the number of tech tools that you have to use. So for example, if you've got a good CRM, it should have your calendar integrated so that you don't have to go to your calendar app, and it should have your phone integrated so you don't have to go to your phone app, and email integrated so that when you send an email, it's automatically logged. And you know the more stuff that you can do within, most of the good CRMs now have some kind of auto-populate features. So company, you know, you put in a website or a company. So there's a lot of that kind of stuff that can save time. I think that there's a lot of companies who think that's the whole package. In fact, I posted on, on LinkedIn about Salesforce, just um, guy made a comment about how, you know, reps shouldn't have to log anything the CRM where they don't have to. And I'm like, that's a good goal, but I sell. I don't know how to capture that CRM. I mean, technically, sure, you could record the whole conversation and put it in. But I think the part of what we do as salespeople is have conversations with people, pull out the salient points, and we should be making notes about those and we should understand them so that week goes by, we talk to a hundred other people and then we come back to, you know, my conversation with Morgan. I can myself what we talked about. And you know, I've had tell me it's it's really amazing how I just pick up right and that's not something you're gonna you're gonna automate. If you've got a process, it's a manual process within your CRM called listening, taking notes, writing it down, then you're able to do that between what you can automate and what you can't. Saving salespeople time, that's a great goal. But that should be a goal to allow the salesperson to focus on the relationship and capture what happens in the relationship, 
because in my opinion, and my telling is still about those relationships and the CRM or whatever tech you have ultimately should be supporting your ability to engage effectively in the relationships. Right. All this new sales and marketing technology, this new CRM technology, it should be taking away the low value tasks and letting people spend more time on the creativity, the sales, like you said, the relationship, not a, I think some people want to come in and just try to automate everything and kind of use technology as much as possible. But it's like, no, you got to let the person deploy their skill and leverage their time as best as possible. And that's what a good CRM does. And that brings you back to sales training, right? So if you've got this mindset that, you know, we're going to automate everything and systematize I almost get the feeling like there's a movement with the sales community. Maybe it's venture-backed, right? That, yeah. that let's move ourselves towards a place where AI is going to take over sales. And I mean, you hear conversations about this. I think they're kind of ridiculous, at least yeah. you know, with, with the state of AI now. I always like to tell people that AI has got to be pretty close to Westworld and yeah. beyond <laughs> before salespeople have to worry. And you know, the mm-hmm. end of Westworld, not the beginning for anyone who's watched that. <laughs> Technology can supplement what salespeople are doing. But, you know, it's not the whole thing. And, right. and if you're selling a book or a shoe and an e-commerce website, you know, that's great. Mm-hmm. But anything with any complexity, there's people involved and people need to be trained to know what to do. Sales, it's a learnable skill. People get better when they get coaching from competent coaches. Mm-hmm. So there's this trend away from that because of, of a reliance on tech. And I think it's really harmful. Absolutely. There's something about CRMs that I want to ask you about when it comes to making a CRM selection. I think what kind of hinders a lot of people from using a CRM, getting one or even using one to its full capability is migration, right? Getting their data mm-hmm. over. CRMs can be so sticky because you're everything, you know, you're putting everything in there. And how do you move that? How do you either, either move from, you know, several apps stitched together to one CRM or how do you move from one CRM to another? What are some ways people can do that effectively? I'm not a technology guy, but CRMs are ultimately a database. And a database is basically just, there's a category and there's a, you know, a unit in it. The category, the, the unit in it is more, you know, CRM companies can't survive by Assuming they can only sell to people that don't have a CRM. So I haven't run into a CRM. I certainly haven't used them all. I haven't run into a professional CRM that doesn't have some kind of a process for that. It'll take a little bit of work. There are some custom things that might not come over. Some I think are going to work better than others. It's absolutely something that you want to dig into before you commit to a new CRM. But with the CRMs that I typically work with with my clients, and again, I'm just going to name names because I don't think that's appropriate, it's generally not an issue. It mm-hmm. takes a little work, but it's doable. Unless you have some really, really unique circumstances, it's doable. Gotcha. Okay. So you know, the question is, is there value in the new CRM? Mm-hmm. And if there's value in the new CRM, obviously you want to answer that question. You should pursue that value because getting CRM right can be a huge productivity boost for your team and it's worth going through the effort if if you think another one is going to help you be more effective because you know that's what we're all here for absolutely you are very active on linkedin and you've gained a large following you're still building your following i want to know is there anything about linkedin use and crms that you can touch on that would be valuable for the audience 
Yeah, so CR LinkedIn has, you know, I'm having a senior moment here. I'm not remembering the <laughs> name of their program, but there's an increasing number of CRMs that are connected to LinkedIn and are allowing LinkedIn to interface with, with the CRM so that it's more seamless. Uh, the things that you do in LinkedIn show up in your CRM. Data from LinkedIn shows up in your CRM. My personal observation is that the vast majority of quota-carrying reps are not active on LinkedIn with respect to content. They're not using it to drive business. Most quota-carrying reps that I work with use LinkedIn as a research tool. Yeah. So, and, and it's a fantastic research tool. I think some of the more forward-thinking reps are using it as a way to engage, but a lot of them do it very badly. So venturing into LinkedIn is something that I think a rep should do cautiously. I am very active on LinkedIn. It has become over time a good source of business for me. But we're talking years to get to a place where it's a significant part of the top of my funnel. And it takes time. If you're going to take the content route, if you're going to do the research route, then it's, you know, you're searching a navigator. You're trying to see if somebody, you you can get some background information. Some salespeople are lucky enough their target audience is active on LinkedIn, generally speaking. If you're selling to salespeople or if you're selling to marketing people or if you're selling to someone that does SEO or a coach, or, you know, if you're selling to someone like that and they're likely to be active on LinkedIn, it can be a great prospecting source without mm-hmm. content. Be careful. You know, everyone thinks LinkedIn is this great place because there's so many people there, but it's a new medium. You have to learn how to do it properly. You have to be patient. And a lot of companies are not going to have the patience to allow someone to build their personal brand on LinkedIn to use it for business. Mm. It just takes a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've noticed, you know, if you treat LinkedIn like a, a direct marketing medium or direct sales medium, if you treat it like cold email, it, it does not work. If you're just trying to inbox people, it does not work. It's, you know, people are there to socialize and, you know, they're business people, but you have to, like David's saying, you know, like you're saying, bring value, create that content, and it, it takes time to build up. So, um, you know, it's funny. There was that was really effective. I was one of the early users, <clears throat> excuse me, of LinkedIn. I was one of the first million members, not because I had a vision, but I had a friend who did, and he said, "Man, you, you know, you user number six hundred and sixty thousand or something." And uh, it's just because I happened to live in Silicon Valley and I knew a guy and, and all this stuff. And shortly after that, I moved from Silicon Valley to Hungary. And I, was, you know, I didn't speak Hungarian at the time. I still don't speak it very well. I needed to generate business. And I started cold calling and all the receptionists spoke Hungarian. And I'm like, okay, so this is going nowhere. And back in 2004, I was inboxing people. I'd find their profile. I would send them a message. I think I was sending out 20 messages a day, getting 10 responses, getting like, you know, one or two meetings out of those. Not every, you know, five meetings, I got like one or two clients. Mm -hmm. So, you know, back there anymore, it's evolved. It's different. It's changed since two years ago. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to be tapping into any kind of a social network like that, they've got a rhythm, they've got a vibe, they've got their own kind of organic growth and you know Instagram is different than Facebook is different than LinkedIn is different than Twitter a lot of people have success on a lot of those platforms but if you want to use it as a professional salesperson you know you need to take the time to learn it 
and and to be a part of the community and to and to invest and build a following, and then it can be great. But you got to be patient. Absolutely, David. It's been a pleasure getting to hear your years of expertise on on this call. Um, if people want to reach out to you to talk to you about something you mentioned on the show today, or interested in working with you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Well, obviously LinkedIn, right? Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> I've invested years in being there. Come find me there and let me know it was worthwhile. I post every weekday on LinkedIn. So David Massover, M-A-S-O-V-E-R. You can also find me on my website, davidmassover.com. And I've got a couple of books on Amazon. So you can take a look there in case that's something you want to do, you know, to learn more about me. And uh, reach out. I love having initial phone calls with people gives me a chance to figure out if there's a, a good fit for working together. That's what sales people do, right? And then you, you take it. Yep. And that's how we got connected. I, I saw you were posting on LinkedIn. I reached out to you. I thought it'd be interesting to speak with you. And we chatted for a little bit and said, hey, let's do some content together. And here we are. So, well, listen, it's been a pleasure. Man. I really having me on the show. Awesome. Well, thanks, David. I uh, appreciate you taking the time today and you have a good one. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the B2B Sales Tech Podcast. If you love what you heard, be sure to head back to morgandwilliams.com and go over to the podcast page for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on the next value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and make sure to take action.